love love. I just love love and the hope it brings and just, you know, and let's be real. I do love the sex. I can't. Sweet romance is awesome, you know, if it's well-written, but I am a sex girl. I like to have the, you know, I think it's a progression and I think it's natural in a relationship. So I like it to be there. It's like giving me everything about the relationship. Welcome to Steam Scenes, the podcast about... Wait, hold on. Sure, sex is, well, sexy but it's also sassy, and it's silly, and it's fun. Hi, I'm El Greco, and I write steamy romance. On my podcast, Steam Scenes, I'm joined by my fellow romance authors for some explosive, (laughs) see what I did there? Conversations on writing all the naughty bits. Sit back, relax, and join us for some scintillating conversation on Steam Scenes. Today's guest is Eliza Peek, an international best-selling author of sexy, heartfelt, small-town contemporary romance. She writes stories with smart, saucy heroines, charming, swoon-worthy heroes who love their women in all the right ways, and happily ever afters with all the feels. She also co-hosts the Misfits Guide to Writing Indie Romance podcast. In her downtime, she reads all the panty-melting romances she can get her hands on, drinks gallons of coffee, and tries to wrangle her addiction to Mexican food. I feel you. She currently (laughs) resides in North Georgia with her family and dreams of retiring to the beach someday where she will continue writing steamy romance stories to her heart's content. Eliza, welcome to Steam Scenes. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I am so psyched. I kind of feel like I know you. Like, like, like we're friends, even though like you're, you're like, I don't know who the hell you are. I've never met you before today because I listen to your podcast. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. I'm so glad to hear that. I know. So I'm like, I'm like, we're buds. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. We're buds. <laughs> absolutely. So I guess, you know, to start, I just would love to sort of like give uh, Misfits Guide a little plug. Can you tell everybody what it's about? Because I enjoy listening to it. Yes, we will appreciate that. Well, I co-host the Misfits Guide podcast with Adrienne Bell. And so we just kind of got thrown together a couple of years ago um, from a friend, a kind of mutual friend from another podcast. So uh, we hit it off and we do this podcast on indie writing and primarily romance is what we is what we talk about. But, you know, a lot of the the information and stuff that we give can be applied to really any genre. So we just talk craft. Sometimes we have fun little bonus episodes. I think one, we, we ranked our top favorite Chris's from Hollywood. Like, so Chris Pine, Chris, you know, so all the Chris's, you know, so we have some fun kind of episodes like that. And we just do kind of a bunch of different things, uh, mindset, business, craft, you know, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. And, and it's, we call ourselves the misfits because, um, we don't, you know, we're kind of real. Like we'll tell you when we've totally bombed on something as well as tell you when we've done really good on something. So not which, afraid to share the epic fails, which I love. What was the, the one I, the, uh, I was listening to the one on branding. Yes. And I was, di- I was dying. Cause I'm like, I epically fail at branding. Cause <laughs> it's like, I'm just like, I'm just too all over the place. I was actually reading something about how to brand yourself on Instagram. And it was like, everything needs to, when you go to your feed or like, you know, that little thing you press where you see all your little squares, right. Everything needs to look the same. And I was like, 
<laughs> I looked at mine. I was like, no. And I'm like, I don't even know how to clean this shit up. I so- know. <laughs> I know I was the same way. I'm like, well, okay, we're just going to leave what we got in there, you know, and try to do well going forward. But my brand is called hot mess. Yeah. See, you do have a brand. I do have a brand. (laughs) Hot mess. And if you listen, you know, I'm always about the silver lining, right? So you've got a brand. I am so branded. (laughs) So Eliza, let's let's jump in. Um, I know we're we're tight time this this time. So, um, I'm gonna just ask, when did you realize that you wanted to be a writer? Um, gosh, I guess I was probably in high school. Uh, it was just something that I seemed to know how to do well. Uh, I always made really good grades on papers, and my you know, and when you're in high school and you do the literature and stuff and they make you write poems and all this other yeah. stuff. And we actually had a, uh, a poetry thing that we did in my high school was part of like the newspaper and stuff. And so I always got, you know, I was always picked to put some in there. Um, I wrote for the school newspaper, you know, um, and then I actually wrote, <laughs> I wrote a story and I don't think I ever finished it, but I wrote a story when I was in high school about me and my friends and, you know, kind of in a, a la Sweet Valley High sort of yeah. way, you know, so <laughs> um, I've always been a huge reader, you know, a huge reader since I was a kid. I read Babysitter's Club when I was younger, then it was Sweet Valley High. I read some Christopher Pike, um, you know, and then as I got into high school, it was Jackie Collins and Sandra Brown and Danielle Steele, um, you know, Harlequin stuff. And my mom was a reader of romance. So, you know, I would pilfer her books and, you know, read all of that kind of stuff. So uh, I was introduced to romance very early, probably earlier than was warranted but anyway um yeah so (laughs) I've been in love with romance especially uh since I was probably high school early high school so Uh, and I just wanted to write them like I just wanted to write those stories like I just fell in love with the stories okay so do you remember like the first romance book you ever read let's see um I'm thinking oh my gosh well, I mean, in a way, Sweet Valley High was sort of romance, so. Right? Yeah, I was I was actually in my head going, could that qualify? Could that qualify? Because, you know, it kind of was. It was, I mean, I guess it was sort of like, you know, like young adult. No, not really young adult. But. Yeah, you know, um, it was sweet, uh, obviously, you know, but. Right. Um, so I guess I could say that those were probably my first ones that I read. And because I, 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 now it's funny because these days series are huge, right? I have been a series reader forever ago. Like I have always loved a series, always loved a trilogy. Give me more, you know? Yep. Uh, so I, cause I always just, you know, especially if I loved the characters, I just wanted to see more and more and more. So, uh, you know, that, that I fell in love with that because there are so many of those Sweet Valley High books. Yeah, I think you. I think with series, with like one of the joys of writing and reading series is you, you become attached to characters. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Mm-hmm. No. Um, mm-hmm. 
but you're just and and you want to like see where they end up um even after they're happily ever after you want to see like the side characters get their own happily ever after like i just absolutely love reading in series and sort of like it's kind of like hanging out with your friends you know yes instead of just sort of like the friend that you never see again Right. Yeah, absolutely. I I love that for pretty much anything when I watch TV or books, you know, I just, I want to know when it's over, like what, you know, how did they all end up? That's my favorite. Yeah. 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 I think that's kind of part of the reason why I love daytime soaps. They just never (laughs) end. (laughs) There's no ending. They just never, I mean, you know, unless the network is like you're canceled um, but, mo- you know, for the most, like General Hospital, I can turn that on and I am transported back to when I was 12. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't watch them much anymore, but I can remember my grandmother used to watch Days of Our Lives, Another World, let's see, Santa Barbara, when it came on at three o'clock, you know, she had the whole gamut through there. And, <laughs> you know, I would sit there and, and watch watch it with her. And, you know, my mom watched days and, you know, stuff like that. So, but I have to tell you, probably my favorite wrap up of anything that I have ever watched, read, seen, whatever, is uh, the TV show that was on HBO years ago called Six Feet Under. And, you know, it was about death and dying and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But the series ending, did you see that? Did you see the very last episode? I used to watch Six Feet Under faithfully, and then I stopped, so I never ended up watching. Oh gosh, the, okay. So I won't, I won't spoil what happened through it. Plus, it's been many years since I've seen it now. But the very last <laughs> episode of the series actually showed what happened to each of the main characters until they died, and so you got to see them like live their lives and how they died. And I was That's like, pretty great. Yeah, I was like, that is awesome. So I know exactly, you know, you, you knew exactly what happened to them. So some of it good, get some of that. Yeah, you do. You really got closure on that. And I just, I loved that. Um, I love that, that Game of Thrones ending. <clears throat> <laughs> I don't actually watch that. I'm like one of the one person in the world yeah. that doesn't watch it. Well, you're the only one. Yeah. <laughs> I am all by myself on this island. <laughs> So, okay, so what was it about the romance genre that drew you in? Just, you know, I love love. I just love love and the hope it brings and just, you know, and let's be real. I do love the sex. I can't. Sweet romance is awesome, you know, if it's well written. But I am a sex girl. I like to have the, you know, I think it's a progression and I think it's natural in a relationship. So, I like it to be there. It's like giving me everything about the relationship, but I just, you know, I, and I love the dance, the dance between mm. the characters before they, you know, they reach that point and the slow, I love a slow burn. So that was the ones that I read. They, they were really like that, you know, kind of the push and the pull and then the coming together and then having that, that hope that they're just happy, you know? So that's, I, I guess, I guess the happily ever after is probably what I, you know, what I like most about romance. So for you, for the sex scenes, because you Mm -hmm. do love them, you know, what, like, what, what is it that makes the, like, makes like the the best sex scene for you? You're just like, yeah, this scene is it. It's, it's got to have emotion. I mean, it's, I, I can't, you know, 
it's there's only so many ways you can do it right so it's right mechanically you know it just it can it's on a page if it's mechanically too mechanical and too clinical it gets boring so you have to add that emotion in there you have you know because if you are connecting with somebody in that sort of way which in a romance you are be it it on the level of just straight up lust or with having some kind of feeling you've got some sort of emotion going on there right. so to me the most the most important part of a sex scene is not just putting you know this in here but adding that uh, emotion that you're feeling and any of the feeling i mean that's why we like it because it feels good so that needs to be on the page so that's what makes it important for me i was i was talking to another author was interviewing another author and one of the things that we were talking about was like the how many in a book you know Mm -hmm. you know sex scenes like you know we were talking about like our first books had like overload Mm-hmm. And that, you know, so how do you find that sweet spot of sex scenes? Because it's something, especially if you, if you love them, I don't know for you, are they easy to write? They have become easier to write. I don't have okay. so much of a problem writing them anymore. When I first started writing them, it was kind of like one hand was typing and one hand was over my eyes, you know, so, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. like, um, you know, voyeurism here. I'm like watching through a window, you know, that kind of thing. But now I just, um, now I think I think it just comes with with the um, progression of you being comfortable in your writing skin, and you know learning craft and putting that emotion in there without making it you know seem over the top or you know anything like that or, or an emotion that doesn't belong that kind of thing. I think it's just the, the progression of, of when you write and learning. So it's easier for me right. now. So with that in mind, uh, because like- I, I just sink into the scene with my characters, and also, you know, I think if you you really got to know your character, can there ever be like too many sex scenes in a book? That there can be an overload of sex scenes, but uh, you know, because then you kind of get on the whole gratuitous sort of sex thing. But uh, I think there's a time and place for those as well. I think my first one had three or four scenes. Um, but they all, my scene, I like to, since I like to add that emotion to them, I don't, you know, I always kind of sort of add them to where it feels like the, the story is progressing and where the story is going. And, you know, sometimes that, you know, depending on the couple, you know, I, I think it depends on your characters, you know, if it's, and, and what they're going through. So, I don't have a, okay, this book has four and this book has four and this book, you know, I don't do that. It's, it's all dependent on the characters. So since you had said like, you know, it was very difficult at first, you know, eyes closed writing the sex scene, like, I guess kind of like what was going through your head when you were writing your very first one? I kind of sort of, like I said, I kind of sort of felt like I was almost like looking in the window you know, and something, and I shouldn't be watching sort of thing. But uh, I have to say that as I've gotten older and as I've written more and I've gotten more comfortable with the, the whole subject of sex itself and writing it and what it means and that kind of thing. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not a, I'm from the South. 
Um, I've lived all over, but you know, I'm not a, I've never been, you know, like the whole Bible thumping sort of thing, Bible belt you hear about the South and stuff like that. But there is a sort of, um, you know, ingrained sort of thing that you're, you're taught, you know, or, you know, or used to be anyway, um, when I was younger. So I was always kind of fascinated, but yet shied away at the same time. So, but as I've gotten older, it's kind of like, you know, we're all here because of sex. So what's the big deal? You know, like, why do we make such a big deal out of it? So that's kind of where I am these days. Right. <laughs> right. I know if you, if you are of a certain age, you were always taught to keep yes. your legs closed if you were a girl. <laughs> right. Yeah. And like, and like the, you know, we talk about like taboo mm-hmm. romances, like any sex was taboo when we were, when agreed. I was growing yeah, up. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> like you just didn't have sex until you right. were married, mm-hmm. you know, and that, and that was, it. and then it was to, to procreate. So yeah, it's definitely like, I, I do think like I bring that to when I write like that weird sort of like, even though it's been age, you know, I don't feel that way. It's still, that still carries through, you know, that thread it carries yeah. through. It, it definitely does. And like I said, I don't, I don't, feel that way and um you know the whole like I said I've never been a a big subscriber to that so to speak but um it is you know always kind of in the back of your mind sort of uh, because that's just where we were when we were growing up so uh yeah yeah, but I'm not like that now So when you're, do you have a process uh, for writing your, your steamy scenes? Do you sort of like, when you go for it, like there's like, like one writer, I thought this was brilliant. She, she picks scents for her mm-hmm. characters. And so when she'd have to write this, you know, steamy scene, she'd pick up the bar of soap or whatever scent it was to, for that character and just sort of like use that to kind of get into it. Do you have any, do you do anything like that? I, I, I'm big into music when I write. So what I like to do is to find a song that uh, just kind of sets the mood and listen to that song on repeat while I write it. Uh, Like in my first book, uh, one of the scenes that I wrote, uh, it made me think of the scene, the way that I had written it when I went back and read it or I was editing and, and so I had to kind of, you know, add and stuff to it. But when I was, had gone back and read it and I was like, Oh, this reminds me of that one little scene and dirty dancing when she's walking around him. And so I put on that song that they used in the movie and that's how I wrote the rest of that scene uh, to that song. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. So, wow. and then it just, that's, uh, you know, when I hear songs that make me think of sensuality and that kind of thing, if I just mm-hmm. like, you know, hear it on the radio or on my playlist or whatever, I will, you know, kind of like tag it and go, okay, this might be a good one to use. And then I just listen to it on repeat when I'm writing the song, because I'm actually kind of a visual writer, so to speak. I feel like it's a, a movie playing in my head and then I'm translating it to paper. Yeah. So that's how so, I kind of think of it. 
so for each does each scene have a different song or is it like one one set of characters they've got one song you know it depends um my first couple of books i had uh like a playlist like i just had a playlist that i would listen to and different scenes had different songs you know that kind of fit that scene and then other songs were just kind of things that made me think of their story as a whole that i would play but i actually just wrote this short story and I had one song that I played while I wrote it. And it was just very fitting for the story. So it was the song that it was the only song that I had that I played when I was writing it. So it, it just depends. But most of the time, though, for my longer novels and all, I will have a playlist because different scenes just make me think of different music. So I will, you know, if I hear a song, I'm like, oh, that would be good for so-and-so. And I add it to my playlist and then it will just shuffle through as I write. So I just wrote a short story that I had one song that was extremely fitting to the short story. So, I mean, for the whole way through, uh, you know, the sex scene, everything. Uh, because it was just very fitting to their situation. So, and it was only 8,000 words. So, but I just played it on repeat the whole entire time I wrote it. So um, it just depends. What song was it? Uh, Someone to Fix by Kenny Chesney. Okay, cool. I like it. I'm just curious. (laughs) I know. I like to, so what song, you know? Yeah. Because it makes me think, and, you know, I'm always looking for songs that will, you know, that will, make me think of the scenes and sometimes I'm listening to the radio going down the road and now it'll like make a scene pop in my head for my characters at that time. So it's just the feeling, you know, I'm very big on like the whole like vibe of it. So that's. So do you, does your inspiration come from music? Would you say, or is it, is it more than that or, or different things? It's different things. Uh, I do. I do have a lot of inspiration from music because I like, I love the music itself, but I also love the lyrics and, you know, a lot of times they're telling a a little mini flash, you know, short story in those lyrics. So when they give me a certain feeling, it will make me think of certain things and that's inspiration for me. Uh, Just going through, you know, life itself. I had some inspiration Mm -hmm. on a story I've yet to write because it's, it, it will be a little bit complicated, but I was on a flight from New York to Atlanta a couple of years ago, and uh, the pilot was a female, which you don't see a whole lot of in commercial flying. And it made me think of a story of a fem- you know, a female pilot who, you know, kind of falling from grace sort of thing. And uh, it's, a, it's a story that I do want to write one day with, you know, the female pilot sort of thing. Uh, haven't yet. But so just certain things like that make me, you know, give me inspiration for stories. I love that. I love that it can sort of strike from anywhere. I know for me, place is a big one location. Mm-hmm. If I if I see something or if I see, you know, um, abandoned buildings do it for me sometimes. It's really- <laughs> I have had it. I have had a story strike me on an abandoned building. actually. So I totally get it. I totally get it. <laughs> I was like, that's not creepy. Not at all. No. Okay. So I want to talk about your Madison Ridge series. So um, you write small town romances. Yes. What do you love about them? You know, small towns are double-edged sword. You know, small towns can, you know, come together when in your time of need. But 
you know, and again, like I said, I'm from the South. So small towns kind of remind me of, uh, you know, the perception of, of a Southern belle, you know, we can really be mm. there when you need us, but if you do us wrong, you know, we'll bless your heart. So, <laughs> um, you know, but that's what I, I do love that though, about the small towns, because the way, you know, my characters are definitely not perfect. You know, my first character in book one is a recovering alcoholic and uh my second book is you know the guy comes back home after you know leaving his his first his love you know behind after 10 years and going off to hollywood so you know they've kind of fallen from grace sort of thing and you know the small town will be proud but they can you know they'll also make you work for you know getting back their trust and their grace Right. Uh, but I, uh, the thing I love best about it though, is that it's, it's a, just a little community and it's all like mm. a little family, even if they're not blood related. And that's how I, what I like most about the small towns. They drive you nuts, but you love them anyway. <laughs> well, I did. I'm glad you touched upon your, the first book and your, the, the, the main character being a recovering alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Um, was that, was that tricky to write just in terms of the subject matter that you are tackling, because that's pretty weighty stuff. And I know I'm sort of going there in one of my books and I'm, I'm a bit nail bitey about it. It was, uh, I had to, you know, I didn't want, you know, the fact that she is a recovering alcoholic is a big part of the story because she does end up having to take a job to save her family estate. And the only job in this little town that can give her any kind of, you know, real money is in a winery. Um, yeah so um, yeah so it's but at the same time the story was more about her redemption and her coming Mm -hmm. out of that and it's not easy you know she does have a moment in the book where she's tested I mean she's she's tested a lot but she's super tested and it it was more about you know, I like to think it was more about her second chance and her redemption and her coming back and showing her family that she's done wrong, that, you know, she's, she's making her amends and she is working those steps. Been tested along the, the, the whole way, but she was in one particular situation, she was super tested. And so it was more about how she got past that and how she, is making her amends to her family and the town and anybody that she did wrong and, you know, meeting that step. So, um, you know, I tried not to sit too much on that and going down that dark hole. I mean, she's been there, you know, she's hit the rock Mm. bottom and she's come out. So, but she's, she's still, you know, she's still pretty new. She's only two years sober. So, which in, you know, sobriety years is pretty fresh. So, you know, she, and she's in situations she hasn't been in yet in her, you know, her new life, her sober life. So I kind of, I I tried to, to take it from that kind of angle, you know, in the book, she did go to a meeting, but I only did that one time, you know, it's not something that I, you know, wanted to over and over hit upon and it was more that she goes there and she comes across someone that she recognizes and she sees herself in so it's that kind of thing and I just try to to bring it more of the redemption part of it than 
focusing so much on, you know, all the bad she did wrong because the family knows, you know, and and it's kind of left unsaid that she kind of, you know, she screwed some people over. Um, and that's why she is where she is. So it was from here out. So this, because this is a relatively new series, um, I'm curious, do you do you have an idea? Do you have like a, a series arc planned out or are you just kind of like where the books take you? So I know that there will be at least seven books in this series. So it's uh, written as a, so Emma is uh, in book one. She's the main character in book one. And she is the cousin to, um, they're all kind of, they're like the founding family of the town. So they have a deep history in the town. There's a whole lot of them. A whole bunch of them are related. So she's a cousin to um, a family of six siblings. So the first seven is hers. And then the next six are the siblings. Um, but I, I kind of lumped her with them because she grew up with them. Like, because of her family life, she was an only child. And because of her family life, she comes from a, she comes from a line of addiction. So uh. she had a tumultuous sort of childhood. So she was very close to the six siblings who had a very idyllic childhood. And right. so she pretty much was raised with them. So she's a cousin technically, but she's, you know, like a sibling to them. So the next six books are uh, uh, the siblings. Uh, book two is the uh, second oldest uh, in the in the family. His name is Delaney. And he is, you know, one of the one of the sons of the of that family. And the next book, the one that I'm working on coming first of the year will be uh her name's amelia and you see you know you see these characters i've introduced all of them so far so book three is coming at the beginning of the year um it will be probably first quarter of the year Mm -hmm. excellent that's good news (laughs) i love that (laughs) i wasn't sure because i know that um book two was recently released at the start of the pandemic how was that um you know, I, I, I found ads this summer, so I've actually, uh, and did some rebranding with my covers. And so it's been much better, but it was, um, I had a slow kind of spring and summer. Um, but it did, uh, it did once I, you know, once I did find the ads and do some rebranding and some rethinking about, you know, a few things, um, it's actually done uh, a whole, it's, it's done better, much better. You know, this, I love this business, but it's hard to get for the, the discoverability thing. So, you know, yeah. It just, yeah. and you just, I just, I just continue to write and put them out because, you know, I do have people that are, you know, that are on my, my email list and they get in my group and they're asking when the next one is. And I'm like, it's coming as soon as I can. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, and that keeps me going. So I, and plus I just, I have, I do have storylines for each of the characters so far of, of the first seven. So, you know, it's really more about um, lack of time than anything else with yeah. getting these. I mean, you're, you sound like you're a real plotter here. Like you, like, cause I am kind of in awe that you are like, yeah, it's probably going to be seven books that I have, I have, you know, I have plans for every, you know, all the, all seven of them. And I'm in awe. Cause I'm just like, I write series and I'm like, woo, she'd be a fun character to give her own book too. I'll do that next. 
Yeah, I, <laughs> I try. Um, when I first started writing, I, I want, I knew I wanted to do a series and, and everything, but I, I, I had all these books that were never finished. And I, I oh. realized that I was, you know, writing to my, writing myself into corners and then I'd get bored and then I wouldn't finish. So I'd move on to something else. And so <clears throat> I read Romancing the Beats um, and that kind of changed it for me. And I, I use that. And then I use, I, I have a sort of piecemeal of <laughs> processes that I use, but it works for me. So, um, it's, I, I do plot, I do outline. Um, but what I do in that outline, like inside that outline, I don't know, you know, like when I, when I'm drafting, it can, I'm following that outline as kind of a map, so to speak. But, uh, what happens inside that, you know, this particular section, you know, is up for grabs. So, um, I'm a little bit of both, uh, but I do like to have my outline plus because I write, um, I try to write every day, but because I <laughs> write on the edges of the day at the beginning and the end of the day, because yeah. of the day job, um, I, I need to know where I left off. So an outline is good for me. And right. it's not set in stone when I write it, uh, when I write this outline, I, if I have, if I come up with a better idea, then I, then I will, you know, work it in there. Um, but I don't change the overall structure of it. You know, it has to kind of work, it has to work within the structure, but sometimes I just get better ideas for a scene than what I had originally thought and yeah. just kind of go from there. Yeah, that better idea thing is really funny because I find that, um, you know, I try to outline, I do my best. Mm -hmm. um, and then all of a sudden, I'll just kind of like go off someplace else and I'll be like, whoa, that works way better. And and so all of a sudden, it's like the outline is just like tossed aside and I start like, going. but but I, for me, that discoverability like is really key mm -hmm. for me to finding my characters. Yeah. And um yeah, and I'm trying to learn to embrace it because I feel like, well, if you had more more control, as with the out with a better outline, you would write faster. But I don't know if I would. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, I don't really write any faster just by having the outline because I do the same thing. Like you know, I do go back to my outline if I have a, an idea that works better. I will go back to my outline and just kind of change it because if it's something, depending on what it is that works better, it could you know mess with the rest of the, you know, the domino effect. So I do go back to my outline and see where all this change is going to affect so that it doesn't, you know, change the inherent structure of the story. And I still hit all of my beats and I stay on pace. That's another thing is that if I didn't have that, I would be off pace and I wouldn't hit on, you know, so it's kind of almost sort of like a little checklist for me too, to make sure and I know that sounds very uncreative, but um, that's the <laughs> analytical side coming in. Um, <clears throat> but I just, you know, I don't want to disappoint. I want to make sure that I'm hitting all the beats that my readers are expecting and that I'm not right. lagging in places or going too fast. And, you know, so my outline stuff that I use, um, you know, it, it, it just keeps me on track that, you know, I remember what the goals are. I remember what their wound is and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Because otherwise I'll just get deep in the minutia of writing and forget all of it, you know? And so yeah. I like to have that, t you know, that tangible thing to go back to and remind myself what I'm doing. So right. that's primarily what I use it for. 
yeah. No, I just go off, and then I'm, and then I, and then I'm like the end, and I'm like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> right. I'm like, I don't even know. <laughs> like, oh my god! Like, I'm gonna have to rewrite half this book. <laughs> exactly. But I will tell you, revision is my favorite part. I actually. I actually don't enjoy drafting. Um, I would rather, you know, I think of it as kind of like a, a person who makes clay, you know, that kind of thing. And right. the gathering of the clay, it just, ugh, I hate the gathering of the clay. It's molding it and making it pretty and shiny that I enjoy. So I, I enjoy revision, actually. I enjoy writing. I mostly enjoy revision. I mostly, um, if I could hand the book off when I was, when I'm done with that and not go through like the copy edits and the oh, proofing, yeah. I would be so happy. Yeah. Now the copy edit proofing part, it's to me, it's the story revision that almost like the developmental part of the, re right. the revision is that's what I enjoy, you know, making the sentence sound better, you know, uh, taking out this, um, telling and put in showing, you know, cause sometimes yeah. when I'm drafting, I'll just tell and, you know, make a note to come back and, you know, make it show, not tell. Uh, okay. so, you know, that kind of thing, you know, putting going through my little notes that I do along the way. Cause I found out that's how I have to do it or otherwise it's a big old rabbit hole and I never get done. Well, I, because you do those little notes, you know, do you, do you do the, cause this is one thing that's sort of divided between the authors that I've talked to. Do you do the insert sex scene here note? Because you're like, I just can't get into it right now. <laughs> I have, but I, okay. yeah, I have, but I usually, I try to write linear. I mean, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty linear writer. Um, right. I, I, I may have certain scenes in my head happen at different times and I'll make a note, but I can't write it out. Like I, it's really mm -hmm. more like a bullet point of what I've had pop into my head. And then I, you know, then I'll go, I'll actually write the scene when the scene comes in the book. Um, I just, I've tried to do the scene here, scene here. And I just, Oh no, you know, and my transitions feel clunky. So I just, I just have to pretty much do it linearly. Well, I want to dig into your steamy scene. Okay. Um, this is book two in the series, okay. correct? Trouble Me? That's book one. Oh, book one. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. We are in book one. I, what is book two? Remind me. Remind me. Okay. I'm sorry. For some reason, I was like in my head, this was book one, but book two, but we are in book one, yes. which is great. Okay. So can you set up the scene for us? Where are we? Okay. Uh, which scene did I send you? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to find it and I was like oh my god I cannot find what scene I sent um let me see I can't tell if they're um if this is the first time but he says you trouble me to no end it's all I can do to keep my hands okay that's you. that's their first time okay so that is their first that time. is their okay. first time so um it takes place in a kitchen um but the setup is at this point it's it's been a slow burn they've been dancing around each other they work together uh, he is the owner of the winery and he's hired her to run it and they're remodeling it. He will be leaving when it's over, you know, so he's her boss, but not, you know, temporarily there. And so, you know, she's trying to learn to take care of herself and all this. And he, her car breaks down. He takes care of it. He's a billionaire. You know, he's got money. He's a, you know, uh, he takes care of it for her and she gets pissed off about it. And, 
you know, she comes at him at his house and just, uh, you know, it, it's just a, a blow up at that point. Um, they can't stand it anymore. So that's where since they are. This is a, since this is a slow burn, at what point about does this happen at the in the story? It is probably right around right around halfway, I guess. Okay. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of curious where where in the mm-hmm. story this happened with the slow burn. Yeah, because I like the slow burn. Since I like the slow burn and the lead up and that kind of thing to the actual sex scene, I I do it pretty much around, you know, pretty much around halfway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm always sort of like. You know, I love a slow burn, but then I feel like are the readers getting impatient because the they you know the couple hasn't gotten together. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it's that weird delicate balance yes. that can be such a struggle. You know, I agree. So I'm always curious, like, okay, where does this land? Because it's a slow burn, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't have a particular and, spot. Like every single time, I'm like, oh, I'm at fifty percent intersection. Right. I don't. I don't do it there. It. It. It really kind of wherever they lead me, but right. at the same time, it. It's. It is you know roughly so um and then now we're 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 in this scene through his point of view um so which i loved so anyway but we'll get okay so we'll get into that but just so that we know whose point of view we're in um, as i begin to read this Okay. okay her eyes held his while she tugged at the buttons of his shirt desperate to be skin on skin with her He lifted a hand and reached behind his neck, pulling the shirt over his head in a single motion. Her hands worked the button and fly of his jeans. Having gone commando, when her hand slid inside his jeans, it closed around his hot erection, causing his vision to blur. Fuck, he muttered as she stroked his hard length. He had enough wits about him to remember the condom in his wallet. Let me, she whispered, taking the foil packet from his hand. With her teeth, she ripped open the package. With deft fingers, she rolled it over his aching cock, making him recite baseball stats just so he wouldn't explode in her hand. In the next breath, he lifted her up on the counter and stepped between her thighs, his focus solely on getting inside her. Okay, I love this. I loved this. I loved this because I felt like you were in his head so well and so clearly and I cannot write the male point of view for shit. And I'm trying in, in this book that I'm currently working on. And I'm just like, and I just want to like throw my computer out the window. <laughs> so how do you do this? This is really amazing to me. You know, I don't, uh, I just, I love to get in the guy's head because I really, I have a real soft spot for a guy who tries to resist a woman and gets to the point where he just breaks, you know, this, this big, you know, this strong man, and he is, uh, but he just, you know, gets his knees taken out from under him. And I, Mm. I really like when a guy can, um, you know, he fights it for a while, but then he's just like, fuck it, whatever. I'm just going for it. And, you know, really kind of taps into that and isn't afraid to do it anymore. You know, he just reaches his breaking point. And one thing I do try to do, I write in third person um, limited, but mm-hmm. I, I like to really get into that deep POV. So I, I try to get into the head of, you know, what a guy, what the guy would feel like. And I'll be honest, I have like asked my husband questions. So what do you think about, does this make, you know, 
And one thing I learned a long time ago from one of my critique partners years ago was, you know, thinking like a guy, how to, you know, if he sees a woman in a, in a, you know, a hot dress, he doesn't necessarily know that it's a, you know, a Vera Wang or whatever, and she's wearing Jimmy Choo shoes. All he knows is that she's fucking hot, you know? So it's, it's thinking, you know, kind of thinking more, I don't want to say basic, but, you know, thinking kind of without all of that, that kind of ornamentation that, that women think in, you know, cause we would look at it and go, Oh, she's wearing such and such, you know, if you know that kind of thing, I don't necessarily do, but you know, if you know <laughs> that, if you know your designers, you know, when she's walking in, she's wearing, or she's wearing a sheath dress or she's wearing this, or she's got on, you know, certain things we just see that guys don't. And right. that's kind of how I sort of, you know, think about it when oh. I was in his head. I, it's it's so, hard for me to explain. <laughs> I well, well, it kind of well, it goes like I. It's so funny because it was like this one section here. I I I right after I have it highlighted because which this is sort of like a great I think point where I can like go back into it and pull out again. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> nice pun. <laughs> <laughs> she wrapped her long legs around his waist pulling him close. He gripped her hips and she stared into his eyes as he guided his length into her heat. Twin moans filled the room when he filled her completely, and her eyelids fluttered briefly before opening again. His vision went hazy, but he didn't move, letting her body accommodate his size. Shane bared his teeth in an effort to hold back the ending before they really got started. She was soft and hot and better than any fantasy his brain could conjure up. See, this is what I thought was really great his point of view, it was so specific. The baseball stats, worried about coming too fast. Like those little details, I was like, I don't know. It was like, it was like, I don't know. The, the, the clouds parted, <laughs> the angels sang. Like, I was like, oh, now I get it. Yeah. It was, I was like, this is really amazing because you're right. A dude is not like, well, that's Vera Wang. And are you sure those are Jimmy Cho's and not, mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't even think of the other designer. And I know there's somebody else, right, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but it's, it is baseball stats and, um, oh my God, am I coming too fast? And, oh my, you know, like, and I also loved that it was his vulnerabilities. We see so much of the heroine's vulnerabilities, mm-hmm. I think, in romance. And I don't think that we see a whole lot of the heroes. Well, and see, that, to me, that's, I I like, you know, they, they say that there's only so many, you know, storylines in the world and everybody's just taking doing their own take on a storyline. But <clears throat> what I kind of like to turn it on its head. Like, for example, I kind of felt like in, in Trouble Me, a lot of times if you read about someone who has an addiction issue or an alcoholic, it's the man. So I was like, well, mm-hmm. let's make it the girl, you know, because women have that too, you know? So right. what would, you know, yes, it's the woman, but you know, she's, and we're not all delicate flowers, you know, we do hard crap at times. So it's, right. you know, I wanted to make that. And plus it would show, you know, her, warrior type side that she has you know all of this that she works through and on the flip side for a guy you know I I, like I said I I love a man who is strong 
and virile and not afraid to be vulnerable when he falls for that woman. And um, it's just, to me, it just makes it even more manly. So I, I do try to, to make the, the male characters in my book, you know, I, I like them to be strong and virile and all that kind of thing. But at the same time, you know, when they fall, they fall hard. And I just, right. that's what I, I, I love those kinds of stories with those guys. Yeah, I think that I get sort of tripped up in like, he, you know, that sort of like, he's sweeping her off her feet, but I have to sort of force myself to remember that like, he's still not perfect. So he might be a great lover, but he's a great lover for her. Mm -hmm. He might not be a great lover for somebody else. And that's, you know, and that's okay. Like, I think that with romance, there is, there's, I think it's easy to fall into a perfection rut, I guess. Mm -hmm. And our characters are imperfect and they need to be imperfect. Mm -hmm. Yes. If that makes sense. Oh, no, it absolutely does. And, you know, in, in book two, my male character, you know, he is keeping a secret that, you know, it, it, and and that was a risk uh, writing, actually, because some people like that, some people don't. Um, but, you know, he kept it f- from her for a reason. And, right. you know, we don't have to agree with what his reason was, but he did. And, right. uh, you know... So he ends up being, he has this inherent vulnerability because of the secret that he's keeping. And, um, you know, I just, I, I, I like that because I think we all are imperfect and I think we all are vulnerable. And how we manifest that to others is different. And it should be different for, you know, each character as well. So I, I like to bring out, you know, I, I remember something else that I learned in a critique group is you want to do the strong, you want to do the weak, but you also have to do the vulnerable because weak isn't necessarily vulnerable. So it's, uh, you have to bring that part of it too, the vulnerability part. I I think also you sort of brought this really fascinating point about, you know, the men are, the the men are always the ones that are the recovering alcoholics. It's never the women, you know, I, because, you know, I, fell into it completely by accident because I write rock star romances and my women are the rock stars Mm -hmm. and a number of readers were like oh my god it's so cool the women are the rock and I was like wait that's that's weird (laughs) yeah I mean I love that I mean because they are but they're just not written about they're they're just really not written about and you know one thing uh you know in like the whole uh and I know they aren't the only ones but they're the ones that I know um Lucy Score and Claire Kingsley, Pippa Grant and um, Catherine mm-hmm. Nolan wrote The Blue Water Billionaires. And they are a group of four women who are billionaires. Yep. And you don't see a lot of female bi- billionaires. You just don't. Um, right. There's a few books, uh, not just that one, but um, I know of another one that uh, Kelly Fletcher wrote, uh, KG Fletcher wrote about a female billionaire meets a bartender wonderful story. Um, and I love that. I love that you have the, the female being the billionaire because they're usually the man. So, and in mine, the man is the billionaire, but I, I did, you know, and he is the one that works at the winery, but she, you know, she's the one that has this whole, you know, addiction thing that you, like I said, you see a lot of, you know, in rock star romances, you know, or just, 
in any kind of thing you that it just seems to be that's where the that vulnerability is put it's put mostly on the man and I just thought well what if I did it with the woman <laughs> you know that's how I do it I'm like what if we did this you know yeah. so try to and I think yeah I think readers really respond to that but there is a risk right and sort mm-hmm. of doing something that's a little bit outside the norm within the genre. It's like this really delicate dance It is in terms of, you know, kind of maybe pushing the envelope a little bit, but then still writing a book that readers are going to want to pick up or be happy with at the end. Right. And I kind of felt like when I did, you know, the book one, I did have the, the billionaire aspect and it was the guy. So, you know, kind of staying with that trope but making her be something you wouldn't normally see a woman doing. And that's another thing that I like with my female characters is putting them in positions that are usually male dominated, Um, you know, just to, you know, shake it up a little bit, but there is, yeah, but there is a risk to that. So I just try to write a really good book with really good sex scenes and hope it, hope it works. I hear you and try and sort of like figure out what happens, you know, at the end. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, I got to do a big grand gesture. I just talked about how it's going to be huge. Oh boy. You know, it's so- oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I got to come up with one. Yeah. So. so since the third book is coming out the first quarter of the year, which, um, and, and this will probably air, Oh man, I think probably in December with the way that my schedule is looking like and possibly towards the end of December, depending on if I decide to hold back a bit because of the holidays. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll be getting close to your release. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about it, about the third book. Well, um, I'm still in the midst of writing it. And I've also got, I'm hoping it will be the first quarter because I've also, I'm writing um, a book for the um, cocky hero world. And so... Uh, tell me more about what it would um so yeah i i'm writing in the cocky hero world the the vikey lind and penelope ward cocky hero series so how did you get that that's great i uh, submitted and they said yeah you're good we'll take you <laughs> i was like oh my god really <laughs> oh my god that's amazing congratulations yeah. that's really that's a really big deal yeah so I was like okay and they're you know as they should be they're very particular about how they want things written in their world and as like I said as they should be and um, I'm super excited about it I actually just got um, last week I just got my cover my title and my synopsis approved so I am moving forward with that and I do have a deadline on that so um that I that probably I don't have a, a publication date on that, but it will okay. I think it'll be probably in the first half of next year. Uh, so this kind of sounds like a very different way to write, or it, for is it? It will or, be different. It you? will be different for me. I'm actually going to write it in first person. Um, okay. It will have a slight tie to a series I have going forward that w- that ties to Madison Ridge. Um, it's a loose oh. tie, but it will be there. But um, yeah, and it's uh, it's called Tormented Bastard, and I'm using if you've if you've read any of their books in the Cocky Hero World series, I am using um, the world of Cocky Bastard 
so chance will be in it and aubrey so and the goat so um yeah so if 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 anybody's read that you'll know what i'm talking about um (laughs) but it's uh, about a baseball it's a second chance romance um with a baseball player and a pr person who is uh trying to get him to do her a favor and he is not inclined to do so (laughs) so so that will be fun um and so i'm i'm writing that and um i've written most of book well about halfway through book three uh which will be amelia and that one will be called all of me um and that is amelia and wyatt and it is a uh fake fiance relationship uh, romance. So they are helping each other with their businesses. I love all these tropes. Yes. (laughs) I I love the, like, I'm sorry. I just love a good trope and I love, I love throwing them all together. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's well, cause if you think about it, it's one of those things to where, you know, in my mind, you can have like a main trope, but then it kind of, to me, breeds other little things tropes with it you know yeah so uh yeah so it's a it's a fun um Amelia and Wyatt they're fun Wyatt is a uh bartender and my talking about inspiration my inspiration for Wyatt is I don't know if you've ever watched it but uh during the pandemic I watched I binged Heart of Dixie so my I've not seen oh my gosh so my inspiration for Wyatt is Wade um, which I know W's, but, um, <laughs> the bartender in, in heart of Dixie, who is super hot. So, um, and I just kind of loved his, um, he's a very complex character. Wade is a very complex character. And I was like, I just love him. So, um, I'm like, he really fits my Wyatt. So, um, that's, he was a big inspiration to help kind of push me. Cause I was, I had already kind of come up with the line with the, with the storyline, but after watching that, I was really inspired, um, with Wyatt. So, yeah. So uh, it, that, it's fun. It's, it's been fun. I'm going to have to watch Heart of Dixon. Oh now. my gosh. Whew. Yeah. Is it a bit, a bit of a rabbit hole, I guess? Huh? Yes. Oh gosh. Wilson <laughs> Bethel. Wow. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I could wax poetic about him for the next half an hour, but I will, I will refrain from doing so. Just go, just go watch Heart of Dixie. So Eliza, I want to have you back when the cocky book comes out, because I would love to talk about what that process was, because it is, you're writing, you are writing in somebody else's world. Yes. I'm also switching to first person. Uh, yeah. I, we need to talk about that too. Yeah. Which I have done. Um, I, I did do with a co-writing project that um, we, we didn't end up doing, but um, my co-writer, my, my partner, she just, she was very good in first person, had a hard time with third person. So I was like, yeah, I'll try, I'll try first mm-hmm. person. Um, but I write such deep POV in third person. Right. You know, might as well. Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it though. That change up of going from third to first. So it is, it is going to, be, I, I'm still bringing the small town aspect. Um, it's, it parts of it takes place in New York like their series does, but right. the majority of the book does take place on an island off the coast of Florida because I am an island girl. Okay. Um, <laughs> so it, it, there will be that small town aspect to it. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was wondering about that. Cause I know, um, V is, or V goes, is mostly in New York. Penelope, I think, does she swing? Uh, she's not necessarily in New York. 
York or is she always in New York too? I don't remember. I mean, I know for that, for, you know, that world. Well, you know, in Cocky Bastard, they aren't actually in New York. Um, they are uh, in California and Nebraska. Um, so it, it's actually a little oh. bit different, but, um, okay. Yeah. And that's the first one. Uh, I, I also love stuck up suit. Um, that yeah. one is may is, you know, mainly in New York, but, um, I just, I had a whole lot of, I had a whole lot of fun with, um, reading chance again, cause I actually just reread it. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it, but yeah, I will bring the small town aspect to it for sure. This is amazing. You're really busy. I am. In fact, I <laughs> I actually am, you know, going through my slate of stuff and thinking of, th- of looking at things that I'm doing and going, okay, what's going to help me move the needle here? Uh, right. You know, so I'm really kind of getting back to basics. And that's kind of my theme for going forward in the next year is just um, writing and advertising mainly, you know, just trying right. to. Um, get what I have sold and just write more because my biggest thing is I just need to write more. So, yes. Yeah. I mean, and I have to say the pandemic's been great for me um, in that, you know, I haven't had day job work. Right. <laughs> <So laughs> yeah. Uh, plenty of time to write. Although it's really funny how much time I don't have to write, even when I'm not employed. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's really kind of weird. I actually lost about a month at the beginning of the pandemic. I just, I, I, I wrote I some, it, but yeah. I just, I, I just couldn't wrap my head around it. Plus I, my day job, I'm in finance during the day. So I am, have been working from home since March. And so yes. I actually had to buy yeah. a separate desk and I have to have separated areas to write because otherwise wow, I, I just couldn't, I, I just couldn't be in the same place because I'm using two sides of my, you know, of course, two sides of my brain, yeah. but I, you know, for the finance side, I'm using my analytical side. And right. uh, when I'm, you, when I do the creativity, I, I have to be in a different spot. I, it's just, it's weird. Yeah. But I found that that's how I, I became productive again. Yeah. No, it's actually not that weird. Um, you know, I mean, some people, I know some people can't write at home mm-hmm. or like, it, like they have to be in public. They have to be in a car. I mean, I can't do that when I'm writing steamy scene. I'm always like, I can't write this in front of like, I mean, it's sort of like I'm in awe of the romance writers that can just like plop down in a Starbucks and, you know, write their erotica. And I'm just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> they got their privacy screens is what they do. I you, know? Know. <laughs> I mean, you know, I travel a fair bit for my day job. And so, you know, whenever I'm on the like, you know, I'm usually on a train. And so like, you know, to go on the train is like, and I'm just like, I can't write this on the train. Like I can write everything, but then like, I have to do the insert sex scene here because there's no way I'm going to write that on a train. Right. No way. <laughs> Not going to happen. Yeah. No. Or, you know, you're writing and you're looking around like, do people know I'm writing about sex? <laughs> <laughs> or like, you know, I'll close my eyes and I'll be like, does it look like I'm having too much of a good time? Yeah. Or like you're fanning yourself and you're closed. like, oh my gosh, am I sweating? <laughs> do they know what I'm doing? <laughs> Do I have the flush? Yeah. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> I know her skin is flushed. Is mine? Yeah. <laughs> Eliza, where can people find you on the internets? On the internets, the interwebs. I am on Facebook. I have a Facebook group, uh, a reader group there. 
and I have my page and um, I, I do have a place on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter very often though. I'm just not a real big Twitter girl anymore. I like Twitter, yeah. um, but I, I'm mainly on Facebook and Instagram and I do okay. have my website, elizapig.com. And of course okay. there is always the podcast. Y'all come find me. Uh, Misfits guide. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, it's, it's really great. Um, I love that podcast. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. So thank you for coming and, um, and talking to me about sex. Well, I have loved it. This has been a blast. I will come back anytime. Awesome. Love to have you. Thanks, Eliza. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Sign up to get email alerts when a new one goes live at lgreco.rocks. And don't forget to five-star us on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you next time.